word from the Lord on this glorious day in which we celebrate the birthday of the New Testament church. Our text for today's message is found in the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter, very familiar passage of scripture, verses 1 to verse 4. Let me say, did not Bishop Monroe Saunders Jr. on Tuesday night bless us, amen. I, I told you he was an awesome man of God, amen. Hear the reading of God's holy word, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. King James said they were on one accord in one place. Suddenly it sounded like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Somebody shout fire. Fire that separated and came to rest or to sit or to occupy itself on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the church that loves God's word said amen. Amen. As you remain standing, reach over and catch someone by the hand. Amen. Verse 3 says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated itself, came to rest or to sit on each of them. On this special day, as we celebrate this special occasion. God has given us these words for us this day as our subject. Three powerful words. Amen. As you hold those hands, you are challenging them and they are challenging you. Amen. Look at someone, squeeze those hands and say, faith on fire. I say fire like you mean it. Fire. Y'all may be seated. Some of y'all old enough to remember fire. Uh, we used to say ah. Y'all remember that? Just to make sure I'm not out. Who sang that song? Earth. What? Who sang that? Somebody, I don't know. All I remember is that it would get us started back in the day. That's back in the day when Deacon Parker had good knees. He can walk in, jump into the music, amen, amen. Listen, for the past three weeks, we have been preaching and teaching from the series entitled Faith Under Fire. Mm. And in each of the first three messages of this series, of that series, it was stated that as believers... And as faith walkers, listen to this, our faith is constantly being challenged. Amen, someone? And our faith is always, somebody say always, under attack by the dark forces of this world. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against angels and powers and principalities and rulers of darkness in high places. They challenge us. The demons of darkness challenge our faith. Every morning we wake up. It's always something. Can I preach? Look at somebody and say, it's always something. Car don't work. And children acting crazy. Folk on your job getting on your last nerve. Always something that challenges your faith. Hmm. And so now on this Pentecost Sunday, God has given us the assignment uh, to change the focus, to look at it from a different perspective, to move for this Sunday from faith under fire to faith that is on fire. Somebody say on fire. When we speak of faith on fire, we are speaking from the aggressive standpoint of winning souls for the kingdom, turning the world upside down. See, when, when, when our faith is under fire, we are talking about the things we take and endure and have to put up from the enemy. <laughs> but when we shift the focus, somebody say shift it, Pastor. When we shift the focus, we are no longer running from the enemy. We are, my brothers and sisters of the uniform, a strong, aggressive fighting force that when the enemy wakes up and know that we are still alive, the enemy ought to be afraid. Amen. When they hear that we're coming, they ought to shake in their boots. Ooh. When the enemy realize that this prayer warrior did not die last night. <laughs> and there's breath in your body. And there's another day walking this earth. The demons in hell ought to shake. Because they say that's a faith walker. That, that is somebody who brings the fight to the enemy. Not just taking the stuff that the enemy brings. Faith under fire means we have to put up with the devil's mess. But faith on fire means the devil ought to look out. Because we are going to invade the enemy's territory and take back everything the devil has stole. Can I get a witness? How many of you are ready to put your faith on fire to allow your faith to be the aggressor? Ooh. Listen, this, this is fire is important. It is an important symbolism that have played a very important role throughout the history of mankind. Anthropologists would say and in fact, I, I've read where there are a few anthropologists who will contend that perhaps fire has been the greatest creation of mankind or the realization because we didn't create fire. We just uh, found out how uh, it can happen and how to produce it and said it, it was a game changer, fire was, for it illuminated, it brought warmth and comfort, amen. Fire was a game changer. It was used to punish your enemy and to enlighten or to illuminate the pathways as you go forward. In the day where there was no electricity, there were torches of fire uh, that you held that would show you the pathway in front of you. I'm going somewhere. And so fire has always been an important element as we look at the history of mankind. In fact, uh, the Greek perspective of fire, the original Greek perspective of fire, viewed fire from a dual standpoint, from, from a standpoint of which it was good 
but it was also bad. From the standpoint of when it was bad, it was bad. Fire, uh, according to the original Greeks, in its literature was used to describe chaos, punishment, used to talk about catastrophes. But it was also used to describe a sense of uh, enlightenment, a sense of empowerment. Uh, religions throughout the world adopted this dual Greek perspective of fire. Uh, the Judeo-Christian religion, which we are a part of it along with our Jewish brothers and sisters, also understood the dual nature of fire. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 24 describes an angry God as a consuming fire. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29, in fact, our, our associate pastor and first lady a couple of years ago preached from this text in Hebrews. It says, we are in awe of God. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. The New Living Translation uh, describes that word consuming as a devouring fire. A fire, something that devours things. Also, in the perspective of fire being punishment, bad, chaotic, the gospel, according to St. Luke, went even in the New Testament and looked at fire from the perspective of fire being destructive and of punishment and chaotic. Luke chapter 16, verse 24. In that chapter, Jesus tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, who was the poor man. You know the story. The Bible says Lazarus had nothing. He sit at the gate of the rich man and the dogs licked his sores and Lazarus, here's what the text says, desired the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But when they died, <laughs> Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham, which represented safety, peace, comfort in the presence of God. But here's what the text says about the rich man. The rich man descended into Hades, or to hell, and the Bible says, and was tormented in the fire. Uh, fire as a punishment for his living a selfish and self-centered life. It was the punishment of someone who did not think of others when they lived on earth. It went a step further in the New Testament. In the book of Revelation, may I take my time and preach this to you. The book of Revelations also talk about fire in the 20th chapter and the 15th verse. It writes, John writes, of a lake of fire as a place of eternal damnation for those whose names were not found written in the book of life. This lake of fire was not a place anyone desired to go. The Bible said there was mourning and groaning and the gnashing of teeth. In other words, eternal punishment in the lake of fire. That is looking at fire from the perspective of destruction and chaotic. However, our assignment for today is to look at fire from a different perspective. Not just from the perspective of being chaotic, not just from the perspective of being a source of punishment, but to look at fire as a symbol of power, a symbol of enlightenment, a symbol of passion, fire as something good. Here's what John the Baptist said about fire as he introduced Jesus in the third chapter of St. Luke around the 16th verse. John says, there is one that shall come after me whose sandals I will not be worthy to unbuckle. And he shall, listen to what it says, baptize you with the Holy Spirit and 
fire. Somebody say fire. John shift the perspective. John said the kind of fire that he's going to give you is not a devouring fire, but an empowering fire. He's going to give you something that will empower you. He will give you something that Jesus declared in Matthew 16 and verse 18 when he said to Peter, Peter, Pundus Rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against the church. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And here it is. And Peter, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Jesus was prophesying over Peter. Note, he says, I will give unto you. In other words, Peter received the word but he wasn't ready for the promise. Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody. A lot of us sit under the word and God says we can receive the word, but our hearts are not ready for the promise. Why? Something had to shift in the life of the apostles before they were able to receive the promise. Thus is our text. Our text talks about this great uh, transformation, this great shift in the history of humanity in which God says, I am going to do something that has never been done before. God introduces the world to a power that lives within us. The text, chapter 2 of the book of Acts, talks about a very special time. Allow me to set it up for you so that you will understand uh, the timing of what God is doing. God says, I could have come, I could have sent the Holy Spirit, which is the Trinitary incarnation of the Godhead. I could have sent that Holy Spirit anytime, but I chose the day of Pentecost. Why? Let me help you out. In the Jewish faith, there were three main festivals, feasts, I should say, that they were to honor. And each one had a significant meaning. The first was the Feast of the Passover. Feast of the Passover, you know the story, Exodus chapter 12, when the Lord said to Moses, take the blood of an innocent lamb and put it on the doorpost of all of those of the house of Israel that lives in Egypt that are in bondage. And here it is. When I see the blood, whew, the death angel will pass over you. And so the Jewish religion has celebrated even up until this day that feast of Passover. Sometimes during the spring of the year in which each one of these feasts, note, they were mandated in the first century and before to take a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem to celebrate in mass these feasts. So the feast of the Passover was a time to celebrate. And then there was a third feast. I'll get to the second one in a moment. The third feast that was in between Passover and Pentecost was the feast of the tabernacle. In other words, it was called two other things, the Feast of the Tents, or one Hebrew term in the old original Hebrew uh, text said it was the Feast of the in, in gathering, which meant the end of the harvest season. It was somewhere around late September, early October, or the middle of October. When, Deacon Carlos, when the harvest was over, they were all to make a journey back to Jerusalem to celebrate the harvest that they had received. But in between Passover and the Feast of the Tabernacles was a different kind of feast. It was a different kind of celebration. And God, who in his infinite wisdom, decided I am going uh, to visit Jerusalem 
humanity through the Holy Spirit doing Pentecost. Somebody say Pentecost. Why Pentecost was special? Because it represented the feast of the beginning of the harvest. Another uh, term was used was the Feast of the First Fruit. It was called Feast of the Weeks. And it happened 50, somebody say 50, 50 days after the Passover. It was the beginning of the harvest. And all of those of the household of faith were asked to take their first fruit that they harvest even before they harvest anything else and present that before the Lord and in essence say to God thank you for allowing us just to see the harvest now take note they had not gathered it yet but they were thanking God for what they were about to receive oh I wish somebody would catch this uh, See, the Feast of the Tabernacle in late September, early October was to thank God for gathering in the harvest. Oh, but it takes a different kind of faith to thank God at the beginning of the harvest season when the crop is not in the barn yet when you haven't harvested out of the fields yet and the bow weaver and the insects uh, and the locusts could come before you gather it and destroy it but you are thanking God for what God is about to do in your life somebody catch it I, I, perhaps everybody cannot but I just need a few folk to say pastor are you telling us we ought to give God thanks even before we get the blessing in the barn or, or are you suggesting to us we ought to praise God before we gather everything in yes I am I am telling you you owe God a praise before you gather everything and oh somebody help me praise him I, I know some of you got to see it before you praise him but is there anybody in here say Lord I'm about to praise you for the harvest I'm about to gather you've got 20 seconds to put your best praise over an expected harvest Anyone can praise God when your children get saved, when your grandchildren come to the altar. But can you praise God while they're still sleeping in the bed right now at 12.30 and not at anybody's church? Can you give God a great praise? I got to preach this. Because Marlon Walters texted me after 80 and said, take your time and preach this. And so here it is. He could have chosen any time to send the Holy Spirit. But God in his infinite wisdom says, I want to link forever the Holy Spirit with the feast of Pentecost. Because if I would have sent it in late September or October, it would have been linked in with what we have gathered in. Whew. But I'm sending it based on what we are expected to come in. Somebody just got it. Some, some, I, wish, I, wish, I wish I had time like Bishop Saunders had time to preach for about an hour. I just, I just but I can't do that because I know y'all tip out in a moment. But listen to this. During Pentecost, God says, if you think your greatest blessing was waiting on your wheat crop to be gathered in, you are sadly mistaken. Because I'm about to give you something that far exceeds a good wheat crop. 
I'm about to give you something that far exceeds corn and, and barley and other things. Uh, they perish. They run out. But I'm about to change humanity. I'm about to change society because I will, as a triune God, manifest or send the third person of the Godhead to visit you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And to this point, you are only used to my presence being around you, preach Pastor Jackson. But I'm about to shift the order because what I figured out that even when I'm around you, you still don't have the power to live right. Some of you, your problem is that you think coming to church is a substitute for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I've got new, you sit there all you want, looking good, crossing your legs, your great hairdo, your wonderful pocketbook. You can come to church all you want, pay all the tithe you want. But if you don't have something living in you called the Holy Spirit, you won't ever live right. May I preach this? God said to Israel, and the first century Jewish believers that I've got a history with you when fire is just around you. Preach Pastor Jackson. He says the history is that when you were delivered out of Egypt and you needed direction, I led Moses by a fire by night and a cloud by day. And although the fire was all around you and led you, it did not change you, preach Pastor Jackson. Moses even saw the fire on Mount Sinai and God says, take off your shoes because you are standing on holy ground. But even that experience, Elder Bill, was not enough to make Moses so disgusted that even Moses missed the promised land because he couldn't put up with those hard-headed, stiff-necked, back-talking, backstabbing people he had to lead. Moses had the fire around him, but no fire in him. And the only reason why some of us can smile in the face of adversity, and the only reason why some of us take a licking and keep on ticking, only reason why some of us allow folk to treat us like a dog, and we don't ever raise our hands to retaliate, because we've got something in us that's greater than that which is a can I preach to somebody? Somebody need the Holy Ghost to live inside of you. Look at somebody say, you need power. In you. Not around you. And just because you can sing about power doesn't mean you got the power. Real fire. Oh, I hope y'all don't get mad at me. Elder Bill, you can attest to this. Real fire don't allow you to be a temperamental worshiper. Real fire doesn't allow you to be on fire one day, and the next day sit there like a lump on a log with your hands folded because you got an attitude about something. Because Jeremiah said, I tried to sit down, but it was like... Look at your neighbor and say, what kind of fire do you have? Do you have a consistent fire that when you think of the goodness of Jesus and 
all he's done for you. And, and let me tell you something. Pastor Bradley, you would appreciate this. You've been a mentor of mine ever since I was a young man. Bishop Jackson mentored you. One of the things he told us, and this is, needs to be passed down to the current church, he says, you don't have temperamental moments in which you feel good. At when you feel your worst, he looked me in the eye and said, son, preach your hardest. He said, don't you ever get on that pulpit and say you're going to save something for next week or because somebody out there made you upset. You, you're going to not allow the fire of God to take control of your body, shake your head in the devil's face and say, no way, because God gave us something on Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, their problem, and I need a few more minutes, is that God says, I, I've got some. See, we, we've got it all wrong. For years, we've had people thinking they had to wait on the Holy Ghost. But the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit is waiting on us. We don't have to wait on anything. My mother was filled on her porch, sweeping her porch. No missionaries around, no upper room. Nobody's over her, say, call on the name of Jesus. But somehow she decided that this is the moment in which I surrender my life to the Lord. And the Lord says, suddenly. Look at somebody and say, the Holy Spirit is still suddenly. But here's the problem. 40 days preach, Pastor Jackson. Do I have your permission to preach this? 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus walked the earth with his disciples. Many of them had gone back to doing what they had been doing before. Why? Because they had his presence around him, but nothing in him. When you don't have power in you, then you go back to how you used to act when that which is around you is no longer around you, keeping you strong. That's why some of you need to be prompted up by other folk all the time. You need the preacher to preach you happy all the time. You always need a fresh, but if, if nobody is there to preach to you, you ought to have enough Holy Ghost in you when you can call on a word within yourself. Preach, Pastor Jackson. 40 days Jesus spent with them, imparting wisdom with them. On the 40th day, he went back to the Mount of Olives and he ascended into heaven. And here's what he said to these 120 men and women, which included the 11 disciples. Judas was now dead. Jesus says, I need you to go to Jerusalem and wait until you are endued with power on high. Now, the wait was not about the Holy Spirit. I, I need to preach this, but Jesus knew that I can't send my spirit when your life is as messed up as what it is. Half of you don't like each other, backstab each other. James and John and your nosy mama came behind everybody else's back and said, can my son sit on your right and left hand because they are better than Peter? And Jesus said, I'm putting all your business out. Thomas, you didn't believe until you touched the wounds. Peter, don't act like you're all of that. Because when I really needed you, you couldn't even stand up. You cursed somebody out and denied me three times. All of you left me but John. And so you're not ready to see this power, but I need some things to happen. So go in the upper room and get there and shut the door. And for 10 days after the ascension, they were there in one place on one accord getting all of their issues out. Some of you need to lay all your issues at the altar. There's some folk you don't like, get it out and forget about it. Because you can't change the world when you're not changed yourself. Pastor Jackson. 
Some of you sit up here with attitudes. Some of you sit up here all mad, your mouth all poke out. Folk you don't even like in the kingdom. God said, get it off your chest. Put it at the altar. Get it out because I'm about to use you to turn the world upside down. And I don't want to invade a life that's not ready to handle what I have. And so I've got news for everybody that think you want to preach it. Think you want to be a worship leader, song leader, usher, anybody. Get your issues out first, okay? Get somewhere private, one place on one accord. Get your issues out. Well, I don't know what happened in the upper room. But allow my Holy Ghost imagination to take liberty. Perhaps they shut the door. And Peter and John said, now let's put it at the altar. John, I never did like you. I, and I really don't like your brother James. Y'all think y'all are all of that because y'all are better than some of us. Uh, and, and, and I know you went behind uh, our back. To, and then they said to Peter, Peter, you think you always got something to say. Who made you the boss of us? Y'all know how folk are. You got a bad temper. You cut a man's ear off. You cursed a young lady out. You denied Jesus three times. Thomas, shut up. Because you don't believe anything unless you can see it or touch it. Get it out. Look at somebody. Can I preach this? Pentecost only come one Sunday. I feel like preaching so I can take off this white suit and don't wear it again. But I... Look at somebody. And so get it out. Because if God's going to use you, he can't use your attitude. And if you got a problem with somebody, get it out. God can't use you to bless other folk if you always walking around something on your chest. Get it out. Woo. Because what is to come is greater than what has already occurred. Look at somebody and say, greater is on his way. You've got to get cleansed from the inside. Woo! Ten days putting all their business out. Getting out. And when they were ready, woo, when, let me say that again. After Jennifer folk got the catches, when they were ready, the Holy Ghost was already ready. And the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit invaded that place like never before. Doing the feast of Pentecost, doing the feast of the first harvest, the Holy Spirit invaded that place and shook the room violently with a mighty sound from heaven unlike anything the earth had ever heard before. Jesus said, I just want you to know that this is different. This is powerful. This, this is an ultra-booming sound from heaven, greater than any aircraft, greater uh, than any military weaponry. This is a sound from heaven that invaded their space and shook the place. Somebody say, shaking God shook the place where they were sent. And then, here's the text. And then there was what, what appeared to have been ooh, an experience in which fire showed up. And look at what it did. And separated itself. I'm going somewhere. Somebody said, work with this pastor. And the fire sit on each. Woo. Wake your neighbor up in case they're nodding and saying that you missed some of it, but don't miss this. Everybody had their own fire. Can I preach? And if you are going to make it, God said you can't survive 
off Pastor Jackson's fire. You can't wait until Bill come in town once a month to say set the atmosphere on fire. You can't depend on Francis or anybody else to set you on fire. You need your own fire. The fire needs to sit on you. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get it for yourself. Because when nobody's in church and there are no organs and the devil and the hellhounds are on your track, you need your own fire and your own faith needs to be on fire when you declare and decree no weapon. Fire came. Sit on each of them. I got to go. I know my time is up. Look at somebody and say, do you have that fire? Ask your neighbor, do you have that fire in which your faith is the aggressor? Your faith invade every hell hound in your family. Your faith invade every drug pusher that's trying to destroy your family. Do you have that fire where you can declare a thing, you can speak a thing, and you believe that God has already done it? Do you have that fire where you can tell the devil, get behind me, Satan? Anybody has that fire? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need some fire. You need the Holy Spirit living in you. That when you go to work tomorrow, you can go with a smile, working around the same demons, knowing that God has already worked it out. Don't y'all fool me now, but somebody stand up and say, I need that fire. Do me a favor, cross the aisles and shake somebody's hand on the other side of the aisle and say, you need for your faith to be on fire so no weapon formed against you will prosper. Come on, somebody. Come on. Lift your hands and say, sit on me. Invade me. Take over my life. If there's anything that shouldn't be, let the fire, let the fire, let let. I need some faith walkers come look me in the face and say Pastor Jackson I've got that fire I want that fire I need that fire we need that fire my family needs my faith on fire my career needs my faith on fire. My mind needs my faith on fire. Come on, Zion. Come on, Zion. Come on. Let us demonstrate to the enemy that God is about to set this place on fire. Light a match on Atlas Road. Choir on fire. Deacons on fire. Preachers, mothers, ushers, young people in the balcony. Come on, Zion. 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 Come on,
Come on, Zion. Come on, church. Come on. We're not taking the devil's mess anymore. We've changed directions. I am tired of running from the enemy. The enemy is about to run from us. Go back and take everything the enemy stole from you. Look at somebody say, go get your joy back. Go get your peace back. Go get your family out of hell. You have 60 seconds from the depths of your belly. Shabbat the Lord your God. Somebody shout fire. Your career is about to catch on fire. Your business is about to catch on fire. And folk won't be around you if they can't stand the fire. Give God a Pentecostal praise. Give God your best. Something happened. Something happened. Peter was now different. John was now different. You remember that Peter who denied him three times? Peter went downstairs, stood in the midst of Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, he said, and I proclaim this day that that same Jesus, whoo, I got to go because I feel something in here. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor, that same Jesus that I ran from is now Lord and Christ. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? What's his name? What's his name? Won't he do it? Come back on Tuesday night. I need you to come back. It's been a long time since I had a chance to teach on Tuesday night. I'm looking forward to this. Because God said this Tuesday night we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And how the Holy Spirit can change your life. Peter, who used to curse folk out, now preached the most powerful New Testament message. And as a result, 3,000 souls gave their life to the Lord. Why? Because Peter and others' faith was on fire. When your faith is on fire, you'll do things you did not even want to do. You'll say things you were too afraid to say. Amen. Lift those hands. Lift those hands. Change me, Lord. Ah, change me. Anybody want God to change you? Hey, man, I want to change this up quietly. Excuse me for a moment. Make me more like you. Lift those hands again and say, change me, Lord. <laughs> There's a wonderful change. There's a wonderful change that has come over, that has come over me. My faith is on fire. I now believe he is a healer. I believe that he is a way maker. I haven't always believed that. But now something, something has changed inside of me. Come on and tell him, Sister Francis, really. 
help out technicians. <laughs> Make me more like you. Everybody lift those hands and say, change me. Change me, oh God. Wash me through. Wash me through and through. Anybody want God creating me, God? Francis, everybody lift those hands. Change, Change me. Change me, oh God. Ah. Make me more like you. Is there anyone in here needs to be changed? Lord, change. Change me, oh God. Ooh. Yeah. Wash me through. Say create. Just create in me uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a clean heart so that I, so that I uh, may work. Yeah. One more time, Francis. Everybody lift those hands and say, Change. change. Me. Make me more like Only you. the Holy Spirit living in you can change you. Change me. Change me, oh God. Uh, Wash me through and through. Somebody in here says, Lord, create. Create in me. Create in me, Lord, a clean. Yeah. A clean. For change has happened. Come on. I need you to, to change me. Tell him. Oh, change me. Anybody ready for God to change you? I need you to change me. Do it, Lord.
Particularly those of us that are more Pentecostal in our in our worship experiences, and sometimes we get so caught up in the change of the language, how the tongues came, that we forget the emphasis really ought to be the change in the life. <laughs> yeah, their language changed, but what really changed, Pastor Bradley? was their life. Ooh. Peter, who could not stand up, now boldly preaches the gospel. Disciples who could not stand each other are now in one place on one accord. Ooh. Something changed. And here's why the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. Because see, and I've learned this the hard way, I used to pray that God would change my enemies. I used to pray that God would change my situation, Brother Davis. I used to say, Lord, change my situation. Change my finances. Change my enemies. Change the way my family acts how my sons when they were growing up and what they were going through. Ooh, I want to say this because I want to help somebody. Here's what God told me. God says, I'll change them in my own time. But before you worry about me changing them, let me change you. So that if they don't ever change, you'll be all right. <laughs> And so I stopped praying, change my enemies, ch change my finances. I say, Lord, change me so that I can serve you broke and I can worship you with no money in my pocket. And when my bills are due, I can still say, I'll bless the Lord at all. Come on, a wonderful change. Come to, to. All the worshipers come on, has come over. Worship with the choir. Turn those hands loose and lift them in the air. All of one. Close those eyes. To those of you that are listening by way of radio, viewing by way of internet. Pentecost is about one word, transformation. Ooh. And the fire represented the transformation. It was the empowerment of believers who had, to this point, lived in their flesh. <laughs> and now God had changed them. And so that they would be able to stand. <laughs> and they would count it all joy. Even when they go through trials and tribulation. 
God says your faith on fire is about changing you. Not about God changing other folk or other things in your life. Because here's the deal. Some of us are going to go home and face the same environment we left. But the difference is God has done something in you. Is there anyone in here who want God to do something in you? And so as you lift those hands on that glorious day, 3,000 men and women from all walks of life all over the world, from Africa and Asia. That is what the tongues was all about. And I'll talk about this Tuesday night. The tongues, these tongues, not the prayer language tongues, were about everybody understanding that the gospel is for everybody. No matter where you're from, no matter what your language is, everyone needs to hear the gospel. Because they later said in chapter 2, and we heard them in our own native language. God says that I'm going to do something in you that only God can do. Listen, someone in here this day, you cannot afford to leave here the way you came. God has been challenging you for weeks to make that next step, to take that bold move, which you say, here I am, Lord. I commit myself to something greater than my career, something greater than my life. Many of these young people are about to graduate, about to go on to greater things. There's something greater than your career. But when your faith is on fire, you can survive anything and anyone. After we pray this prayer, here's the challenge. If you want to recommit your life to the Lord, stay at this altar. Meet me at this altar. If you want to give God your life, if you want to make a commitment to God's kingdom, like to join the church, if you want to be an example for your family, this morning at the 8 o'clock service, parents brought their kids with them. And the young people gave their lives to the Lord at 8 o'clock this morning at the altar. Parents, the greatest thing you can do for your children is to be that example. And ask yourself, are you committed to anything other than yourself? And if the answer is, Lord, I'm not sure, God says, I challenge you today. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you for this Pentecost 2019 message, Faith on Fire. (laughs) Lord, and not only is our faith under fire, but you've given us (laughs) the instructions to know that our faith can be on fire. And so we leave here today empowered, enlightened. We leave here today with new passion saying folk won't steal our joy with a consistent praise with a burning consistent fire have your way Lord someone's making a decision this morning someone is in between trying to figure out what is their next move convince them show them encourage them to take that step and to say here I am Lord Fill me with your Holy Spirit, the spirit that changes my life. This is our prayer. (laughs) Ah, This is our prayer. This is our testimony. This is our decree. In the name of Jesus, and we say amen. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say faith on fire. Come on, if you're here, you want to, come on now. Stand at this altar. Somebody come stand right now. Be bold enough to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. A wonderful. If God is calling you, 
Thank you, young lady. Somebody, as she come to the altar, somebody bring the young lady. Amen. As you, thank you, has come over. Look at these, these two young women. Somebody else, come on. Anyone has that Pentecostal boldness, step out. You need God to change you, to change you. Somebody else is coming. And look at These are all young people that are coming today as uh, parents are bringing their children. Come on, take it up. Someone else. Yeah, yes. Yeah. God is calling you, Ryan. Anyone else? Clap those hands and give God a hand of praise. I am so glad. Come on. Everybody go find somebody. Put your arms around them. Say God's changing some things in you. God's changing you. God's changing you. I'm so glad. Somebody give God a praise for the word of God.